Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's celebration time. Praise God. It is so good to be back at Lighthouse Tabernacle. And uh, thank you to everybody uh, for the continued kindness that's already been said. But uh, I appreciate the praise team, the great job they've done in the uh, ministry today. And there's a presence of the Lord here. And uh, way back a year ago, when all this uh, crazy COVID stuff started happening, we went for a season we, we had to in Norfolk. And by the way, I bring you greetings from Norfolk Apostolic Church today. Uh, but in Virginia, we we had to we were under lockdown for a little while, and, and we went for a couple of months or so without live services. But we were streaming everything because we have a full online presence and so forth. And and uh, but I was preaching and teaching to an empty sanctuary with only a skeleton staff, which was no fun. Until my birthday happened to fall in the middle of that, and unbeknownst to me, late on a Saturday night, a bunch of folks came into the church and hooked up 150 or 200 smiley face balloons all over the uh, sanctuary. And they would all, when the air would come on, they'd kind of bob, you know, and I, oh, this is all right. And then some of them started to sag, and I, I thought, well, you know, it, it's, like, it's like the folks sometimes. <laughs> but in the middle of it all, I got, to, I, I got to, my knees were hurting me so much, and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to pull a stool up here and preach minister from a stool. And um, nobody knew the difference. We were just on online, and you know. But what happened was, I got to enjoying it so much that I just decided to make it policy. <laughs> and so I appreciate uh, Brother Strange and them finding me a, a stool to jump on. I appreciate the praise team. So I'm. They said, "How are you going to get up?" I said, "I'm going to climb up just like I'm getting on a horse." And uh, it is good to be back. Uh, with you and to celebrate with you and uh, it's so good to be with brother and sister strange all the time these are wonderful people i esteem them very very highly brother trapani so nice to see you and i'm sorry brother i forgot brother mallard pleasure that's right what am i thinking i didn't recognize you is what happened <laughs> it's good to see both of you as well um a few months ago when Brother Nick Strange contacted me about coming. Uh, he sent me a text and told me what we were all doing and uh, if we would be willing to come. And I told him this this morning. He didn't know this until today. But I told him, and God doesn't always do this. But when he does, I know what it means. Okay, Because it just, you know, God deals with all of us kind of in his own way. But as I was reading the text... For an invitation, immediately the Lord snapped a picture into my mind and spoke into my mind exactly the title of the message that I'm going to preach. What I've learned is through the years, I know that's God's way of saying, this is me, I ordered it up, this is what I want you to do. So I had a total peace about it because God spoke to me that I'm going to preach on this topic and the funny thing is I didn't even really understand what what it was I thought well alright I guess I got something I got to do here over the next few weeks and I want to invite you this morning to the Psalms the book of Psalms the 90th chapter and I want to share with you what the Holy Ghost has talked to me about and I have come today I, I have been preaching now. My, I began my ministry in January of 1981. I've been preaching for 40 years now. Now, to some of you, I know I'm still a pup. But it's at least long enough to have an opinion. <laughs> I've been preaching long enough to have an opinion. And um, I want to share what I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to just... I just want to talk to you. Uh, I know I'm not your bishop, but I am a bishop in, in the realm that I serve in. 
And I, I'm just going to, I just want to sit and talk to you today and share some things that I feel like is a word from God. And I've come to speak a word of God over this assembly. Psalms chapter 90, I'm just going to read two verses beginning with verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. And the days of our years are three score years and ten. And, everybody say and. If by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. What the psalmist was writing, he said that, that it's, it's appointed about typically 70 years. But if you have reason of strength, there's an extended season of life that is given. He said, in this case, he said, maybe 80 if you're strong. And I'm going to take this as a text and I'm going to turn it into what I feel the Holy Ghost is applying it to this assembly. I want to preach to you this morning about the significance of 70. I didn't even know the significance of it until the Lord spoke this to me and, and told me to address this. I feel that I am here today in the total will of God. And I've come to share with you something that's just total will. So I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if how animated I'll get or not, but I'm going to share with you what I feel the Holy Ghost is talking to me about. And I'm so glad to have my family with me, my kids and grandkids. It's always great. When the grandkids are there, that just energizes you, you know. I'm going to ask if you would, would you lay your Bible down one time and lift up your voice and just pray and let's ask God. In Jesus' name, Father, we ask you to just touch this message today. Father, I come into this pulpit by the authority of Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm asking you, Jesus, let your anointing be in my words right now. Lord, let your anointing flow in Jesus' name. Praise God. One more time, would you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him a shout of praise and victory. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Psalms 90 is very unique to the other psalms for several reasons. One, ironically, it is considered one of the most ancient of the Psalms, written long before David wrote much of his. It began originally was what was known to uh, people that study this stuff as was book four of the Psalmster. It was ironically written by Moses, attributed to him. And so the writing <clears throat> goes way back, but it was added to the book of Psalms at the time that our scripture was put together. The entire chapter, he <clears throat> deals with reflections of the Pentateuch. And, and when he came to this portion in verse 9 and 10, he was, he was talking about legacy and uh, talking about how that everyone's life, no matter how long or how short it is, uh, is a, they have, we spend our years as a tale that is told. We, we all have a story to tell. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm starting to, to get a little older. I just turned 59, and I, I find myself thinking more and more about the importance of legacy. <clears throat> and I'm wondering, what's my story going to be? What, what are they going to say about me when, when, when the time is done? I'm, I'm, I'm pondering more and more about the legacy of, of my story. And Moses interestingly wrote at a time when lifespans were tended to be a much longer but uh, he noted that an average lifespan uh, and this is a generality would be about 70 or if you are strong maybe up to about 80 and the more I looked into this I thought well that's odd because when you go back into ancient man we know that the scripture tells where it was common to live for a much much longer time but then again, if you go throughout history, we have seasons of history in the dark ages where sometimes lifespans were as low as 20 years old. And even, even 
even if going back a hundred years or so to to the year 1900, right here in America, uh, it was a lifespan, an average lifespan for a man was only 46 and only 48 for a woman just 120 years ago right here in America. And now, of course, we are, we are beating that considerably and, and now our, our average lifespan's in the, you know, the latter part of the 70s, but we, we have many that are living well beyond that. And it's, it's due to several things, uh, lifestyle changes and medical advancements and all kinds of things. So the, the point I'm simply trying to make is when I look throughout history, though, if you look at the history of mankind, it is very uh, evident that, that that probably 70, 80 range is probably a pretty good general average that was averaged out throughout the time of man. I, I found a little verse in Isaiah 23 that talked about King Tyra, and it said that 70 is the life of a king. I thought, well, all right, I've got the mouth of two or three witnesses uh, enough to establish something. <laughs> and so we're, we're going with this idea that in generally we know there are many exceptions to it, both, both shorter and longer. But historically, we, we can count on that we have a, about this. Interestingly, in, in Judaism, I found out that 70 is a, is a much more significant number among the Jews uh, than among the general Christian population but in some branches of Judaism, as a matter of fact, they will give people a second bar mitzvah. Everyone gets one at 13 when they become a man. But if you, based on the scriptures of Psalm 90, uh, if you happen to live to 83 years old, and if I understand right, Bishop Strange, you're 83, aren't you? I'm telling you, I came in the Holy Ghost to talk about this. <laughs> if you live to be 83... Among those Jewish sects, uh, you are given a second bar mitzvah because you're considered to be uh, 13 as a man, and now if you're 83, you're considered to be 13 in a second life. <laughs> so you've been granted some great additions. The Bible teaches us to honor our elders, and there's a very good reason for that because there is an incredible significance that comes with experience. As a matter of fact, nothing else matches experience. Uh, there's no kind of education that you can get. Uh, I've told, I've got a bunch of young college graduates in our church, and I try to remind all of them, your paper's good, but it ain't worth much until you start getting some experience. And one of the first things you find in experience is that half the stuff you learned in the class isn't going to work. I have a dear friend of mine who was a CPA, and he shared the story with me that he got hired by a company uh, after graduating because he was in the top of his class uh, and it was the largest in the state of Massachusetts, the largest accounting firm in the entire state and they had they had dozens and dozens of, of CPAs that worked for them and they came into a time when they had hired 30 new CPAs. They had an orientation for them and the president of the company came in to talk with them and he's standing in front of them and he told me this story, it was so funny, he said he looked at all of them and he said, he said all of you are here because you're the cream of the crop. Our company only hires you if you're in the first 5% of your class or the top 5% of your class. And so all of you are here. You are all shown you are brilliant and bright uh, and the top of your class. Uh, and I'm just here to say, congratulations, that just got you here. Now here's what I want you to do with everything they taught you in school. And he took a stack of books that was laying on the desk and he slid them off into the trash can. He said, as of today, we're going to start teaching you how accounting works in the real world. It's not the stuff they teach you in school. I'm here to tell you that's the truth in a lot of things. <laughs> and experience is how things work in the real world. And there is a special significance that comes with 70 because of the experience that comes with it. Uh, again, to the Jews, it is considered, 70 is considered completion of natural order. Anything over 70, in, in their mind, it was due to being strong. And so if you, if you have come to the point of 70 years old in your life and you've lived over 70, you are considered to be entered into a higher order. Of life. Now, you may not feel like it, but spiritually, it's a higher order. Emotionally, it can be a higher Now, physically, granted, it's not always a higher order, but there is a significance to it. Seventy 
is an incredibly significant number in the Bible. Not only is 70 the average age of a lifespan, given or give or take some, but there were 70 descendants of Noah after the flood. It was noted that they had become 70 nations with 70 languages. There were 70 members of Jacob's family that came to Egypt, including Joseph. Uh, there were, and just 200 years after that, God spoke uh, to Moses and told him to choose out 70 elders to lead the entire nation. The backbone of end time prophecy, as many of us in this room understand, is, is Daniel's 70th weeks. And it's a backbone of prophecy, backbone of, of, of Bible truth. Uh, the Sanhedrin court in Israel, the rabbinical high court, had 70 judges. And it was based on the fact that actually it had 70 judges and the high priest, or the high judge, the supreme judge. And he represented Moses. The head judge represented Moses, so there were 70 plus Moses. So the Sanhedrin had 70 judges plus the high judge that represented Moses. They, they say in, in, in the Jewish tradition that uh, there are 70 perspectives to understanding the Torah. The Midrash, which is a, a rabbinical commentary, uh, they say there are 70 holy days in every year. God promised the, Jerem, the prophet Jeremiah that after the first temple uh, was destructed that, that they'd be in Babylon for 70 years held captive. And at the end of the 70 years, God said, I will remove you and begin to do a new thing. And sharing some of that just to say this. I have come this morning to congratulate Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle on 70 successful years that you have been in this city ministering to this state. I congratulate you not just by being in existence. That alone is noteworthy, which I'll talk about in a moment. But, but it's more than that. I congratulate you because you've not only remained a, a solid congregation and doing the work of God for 70 years, uh, but you have remained productive uh, for those 70 years. And that is no small matter. I want to give you a little bit of my observation from 40 years of the ministry. Again, it's at least long enough to have an opinion. I spent five and a half years as an evangelist. I spent one year as an assistant pastor. I've been in Norfolk as pastor there 33 and a half years as of right now. Uh, bishop during that time, 22 of those years, uh, uh, as an executive official in our district, district secretary. I, I've been an executive presbyter for two years. I, in, in the work of God, I've been everything from mowing the lawns and, and, and cleaning the baptistry to executive presbyter and, and seems like just about everything in between. I, I kind of get to feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm like that farmer's commercial. You know, we, we, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Incidentally, speaking of seeing things, I began my ministry in January of 1981, and Brother Dixon called Brother Strange and asked if he would be kind enough to give a young man an opportunity to, to have a pulpit to preach in, and I came to Ohio, and the first time that I preached in Lighthouse Tabernacle was in 1981. And then I got to thinking, uh, something really bizarre happened, you all kept inviting me back. And I got to thinking about something that I didn't even realize until I was preparing this. Uh, but I got to thinking back. I cannot remember one year in all of that time that I have not preached here in this church uh, at least once during the year, sometimes more than that, especially when I was younger as an evangelist. Uh, but even through the many years, I mean, for many years, I was the Christmas program. I'm glad that kind of adjusted because I mean, there's just so many different ways. There's just only so many ways you can preach Christmas. It was getting kind of tough. And I, I started thinking about it. I've been preaching here for 40 of your 70 years. So I've seen a lot of the changes and things along the path, not realizing that I was really becoming a part of your history. And, and, and so I, I'm just saying that, in all this time, I got to thinking, I can't think of anywhere that I have preached as much than I had my home church outside of, of this church. I have probably preached here more uh, through the last 40 years than any other singular place uh, besides the church that I pastor. And I only say that to say I'm not shooting in the dark this morning. I feel like the Lord has sent me with something to share to you.
the view from my veranda, as one man said. Here's the real cold truth. Most churches die much younger, they say. Or if they don't die physically, they will often become so weak and anemic spiritually that they become ineffective for very, very long periods of time until one day it's finally closed down. I have watched churches through in my work as an, an official in uh, 40 years of working in the kingdom. I've seen a lot of things come and go, and, and, and I've watched churches dissolve in just a form of godliness with no, no real power, no, no miracles anymore. Nobody gets the Holy Ghost anymore. The baptistry is, is dried up. Uh, uh, I've seen them get to the place where they've just come down to a small group of people that no lives are really being touched, and, and uh, even to the point where they have to start selling off assets because the church can no longer be supported, and, and they'll start selling things, and, and, and rather than uh, taking a bold step to connect it with another, they'll, they'll just watch the thing just dissipate. And their story is no longer listed under current events. It's just a testimony of the past, uh, of what used to happen. And there's nothing wrong with a great testimony of what used to happen. Uh, but it, it, it's not enough to just have want a testimony of yesterday. Uh, I want to know God's still alive and rich and powerful uh, here today. And I've got good news for you. As I was sitting here on the platform uh, and we were worshiping and the singers were singing and I, I literally was saying to myself, I was talking to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I don't feel death in this place. I don't feel any kind of a weakness in this place. Uh, I'm here to tell you today, uh, the church is still strong. The church is still has a presence of God, a great thing. After 70 years, there are some places I've been that Satan has long ago stopped paying much attention to them because they're no longer a threat. Eventually, administrative action has to be taken to close it. I've been a district official for over 22 years. The position that I have means a lot of paperwork ends up on my desk. And I have my signature on dozens and dozens and dozens of documents through the years. And, and I've had the joy of signing whenever we start a new church. We have a, a new missionary. New, it's my signature that goes on the final bottom of it that sends it up line. Uh, and I get to sign birth certificates, so to speak. But I'm also here to tell you that I've signed a great number of death certificates as well. And what I mean by that is, it's when we've had to come to a place where we close the congregation. And there's many different reasons for that. And by the way, congregations were not made to live forever. And so if you look back in the history of any great church, it has a season of birth and a season that, that it ends. And, 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 uh, and God judges it throughout the history of, of the whole thing. Uh, and so there's nothing wrong with ultimately there comes a time where we, we pass on just as we do in our real life. But I'll tell you one of the saddest ways I've seen churches become anemic. I have watched more than I care to see in the last 40 years of, of, of what precipitates the change many times with churches uh, is that they'll come to a place where all of a sudden they, they will feel like in order to grow, in order to have revival, in order to stay relevant We've got, to, we've got to discharge some things. We've got to do away with a, a separated lifestyle, holiness teaching, and so forth. And if we'll just do away with that stuff. And I remember seeking the Lord very much about this uh, myself. And, and finally, God gave me a vision. I don't know if I've ever shared it here or not. But God gave me a vision one time. And, and, and I, was, I was praying about my own church and, and, and seeing, you know, what's going to unfold and finally God gave me a vision I, it was I, I wasn't asleep it wasn't a dream I was in prayer and God gave me a vision and I was all of a sudden I'm, I'm on a, in my mind I'm on a ship on one of those old sailing ships like uh, you know the original kind that came from England over to America and and it's a sailboat sail ship big ship and it's sailing but there's a rough storm the, the waters are flying the winds are are howling and 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 I noticed on, on the deck of the ship, the wooden deck, uh, uh, there was uh, everybody was running around frantic. 
because they perceived that the ship was in danger and and, and they, they, they gave out an order. The captain barked out an order and said, we got to eject everything that's too heavy, everything that we don't need. Get rid of it or we're going to lose the ship. And so they started, they started literally throwing things overboard. They came up from down into the, into the center of the ship. They came out with, with drawers and different things and are throwing things into the ocean. And I, I'm, I'm just watching all of this with amazement. And finally, it was announced, uh, it's not enough. We need to throw out more if we're going to survive. Uh, and then they all looked at the same time and they saw an anchor that was sitting on the deck of the ship. And the anchor, they all rustled around and decided this anchor's got to go. It's too heavy. It's bogging us down. Uh, and they take that anchor uh, and they were, uh, a bunch of men got around and they were wrestling it over to the edge of the ship trying to get it up over the railing to, to die. But what was amazing is, is that there was a big nautical rope that was tied to the anchor. And that anchor, the, the anchor, they were on one side of the ship getting ready to throw this thing over. But I watched the rope that was tied to the anchor, and the rope came across the deck. Uh, people were just walking right over it, not paying any attention to it. And it was it was wrapped up in a big, long pile, you know. Uh, and, and I thought, what, what's... And then, and then I looked on the other side of the pile, and there was a big treasure and the rope was tied around the treasure chest. And all of a sudden, uh, they, they gave, and I, in, in, in my vision, I tried to speak out. I tried to, to yell and get the captain's attention to say, hey, whoa, 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 you don't want to do this. But they couldn't hear me in the vision. They just kept doing what they were doing. And finally, they all wrestled that thing up to the edge, and they flipped that anchor over to the side, and it went off the side of the boat. And, the, and as it was going down into the water, uh, they were all celebrating they started shouting and celebrating on the deck of the ship. Uh, and as the anchor just kept going further and further down, uh, I watched the rope unfolding on the circle. Uh, and I kept yelling, uh, hey, 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 somebody needs to pay attention. But nobody heard. Nobody saw it. And I, I finally watched in anguish as when the rope came taut, uh, it grabbed a hold of that treasure chest. Uh, and, and that treasure chest went sliding all the way across the wood deck, uh, all the way across the, uh, the ship. And then it hit the bear on the side sprung, sprung up into the air and when it got up into the air it flipped open and out of it came all kinds of jewels and gold coins and things that were obviously so valuable and they never noticed that they lost the treasure and it all just vanished and I was standing on the deck of the ship in my vision, and I asked God, I said, God, what are you, what are you showing me? And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me uh, and said, men never intend to lose the treasure. But when they begin to throw out core doctrines, and let me tell you something, holiness is a core doctrine. It's not a sub-doctrine. No man can see the Lord without holiness, the Bible says. That makes it a core doctrine. And so we think... It's too heavy. It's too difficult. It's too. Uh, we'll just get rid of that, man. We'll just. We'll just. We'll just survive. But what they don't know is, is that holiness is connected with other core doctrines, uh, things that we hold valuable. Uh, and I've seen too many. And I. I will tell you, I've had to sign the death certificate of a few because they end up throwing out things they didn't think was valuable, and ended up losing things that are far so valuable. And the real irony to it is I've watched church organizations and church agencies uh, function and keep functioning and functioning and it's like when I come and visit and I look and I realize the treasure is no longer here but they don't realize it. They just go on doing what they were doing. And so I've had to sign death certificates as well as birth certificates and and, 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 and I've come here to say this. I'm saddened at how many times I've had to deal with it. But let me tell you something. I, this is what I've come to say. I'm, I've come here today on their 70th anniversary, and I'm here to proclaim and note, and it is noted in heaven, uh, that Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle uh, is still functioning after 70 years. Uh, you're still having church. You're still having a move of God. You're still having miracles. Uh, you're still having the Word of God pointed out. And... Uh, 
This is really important. Uh, you're still apostolic. The church I pastor is 37 years old. I've been there 33 and a half years uh, of that time. And believe me, I know the battles that we have been through and the unrelenting pressures that go into pastoring a church and leading people and spiritual warfare and all those kind of things. And yet I, I come here today and I'm, I'm, I'm in an auditorium of a place that's been doing it twice as long as I have and I'm tired now. can't imagine how some of you all must feel. It is with sincere respect that I come today brother and sister strange brother Nick your family all the leaders of this church all the saints of God that have been faithful through the years I say it with all sincerity I have come here today to salute you in the name of Jesus because you have done a marvelous thing to only have three pastors in 70 years is astounding I don't think some of you realize just how off the charts your church really is compared to normality. The average Christian pastor in America, I'm talking about all of Christianity, I call it churchianity because not everything that has a steeple really is a church. But I, 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 I look at it all and I realize, do you know that the average length of a pastor in America right now is only five to seven years? And it speaks to the strength of your congregation. Uh, you've only had three pastors in 70 years. Uh, I, I want you to understand that that's not, that is not the norm. That is an oddity that is very, very strange. And you're not just limping along either. You're, the, the, the power of the Lord is still here. The presence of the Lord is still here. And believe me, that's no small thing. Because when God gets done with a church, uh, He doesn't close it up. Uh, he just... When he, he, he said, look, you all can do what you want to do. If you don't want to do it my way, I, um, his little protest is, I just go somewhere else. And the presence of the Lord just begins to leave. The power of God leaves. The anointing of God leaves. And they can go on and have church and do things and, for decades. But they're doing it without God. But when I come in here this morning, God has not left this house. He is still here. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, if I could use the Jewish colloquialism, uh, you've come as a church body to the, your 70th uh, year. So you've come to a time where you're the or average would be, okay, it's time to start winding her down. But here's the good news. If by reason of strength uh, you're given an exited added time, uh, I'm here to tell you if that happens, it means you're moving into a higher order uh, in the Jewish mind. Uh, I've come to preach to Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle this morning uh, that the Spirit of the Lord, the word of the Lord is, you have come to your 70 years, uh, but by reason of strength you have been added uh, an allotted time that's been added to the life of this church, uh, and it is not going to be an unproductive season. Because God is still here. As a matter of fact, it is in this season, if you've been paying attention, uh, you've not been going backwards. You've been buying land, buying buildings across the street. Uh, I'm here to tell you that there are great things that are coming in the future of this church. Uh, and yes, many of us uh, that have been around for a long time uh, are waning in our strength, uh, but new others were going to come and take up the mantle uh, because the church isn't judged by how many it has in Sunday school at any given time. Uh, but the issue is how many lives have been touched uh, in the seven years back in 1994 in Norfolk the early days I had just got there in 97 in 1994 we purchased a, a little church building 5400 square foot building on Lucas Avenue that was the stage we were in back then it was a Pentecostal holiness church that that had Basically, once a thriving congregation, they told me great stories. They said in the 1950s, it was a thriving congregation, over, over 200. They told me stories of the presence of God would come there and good things would happen. But slowly over time, it grew old, it slowly degraded, and 
they started selling off assets. The thing that I couldn't figure out when I was looking at the building, I said, well, man, you got a building that seats a couple hundred, but you don't, you only have parking for like 50. I couldn't figure out what in the world, is, and well, come to find out, they had parking. Also, see those, those houses across the street there? That was all church parking at one time, but we had to sell it off in order to, to keep things going, and they were down to 11 members. And all of those were up in age. All of them were over 75. And the, the last 11 members had finally come to the point where the, 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 holiness, uh, the Pentecostal Holiness Board had stepped in and said, look, it is time that we close this work. And they, their, their organization did what I've had to do numbers of times and, and bring the organization to an end. And they sold the building to us. And the day of the closing... When we finally got our keys and so forth, I had two or three men with me, and we went over to the church to, you, get, get, you know, it's, going, it's ours now. It's, it's ours after the day, so we're going to go in and look around. And, and, and as we got there, I, I remember standing on the front porch of the church, and I got so sad for a moment because somebody had placed a funeral wreath on the door of the church. And there was just a placard that was on it that says, said, thank you for the great memories. And I was saddened for a moment. I, I, I'm realizing the people that are left are feeling the anguish of a church that's died. And we stood there on the, there was about four of us, we stood there for a moment, almost like a moment of silence. I, I really did have a sense of, of, of awe, you know. That I, but after that was over, I looked at those men and I said, you know what? I said, they're sad because their church died. I said, but as of today, let's change gears. Take that thing down. Let's open this place back up and let's raise it back up to the glory of God again. And that's exactly what we did. We had revival in that place. We were only there for four years, but it was packed out. We, we, we had nowhere to see people. We had, we had hardly nowhere to park people. We had to stack people in, in three and four. You know, so if you got to church, you, know, you, you weren't getting out until it was over. We had ushers that were out there with, with flashlights that had the cones on the end of them, like the airport, you know. And they're, they're guiding, bring them up bumper to bumper. It's the only way we could, we could do. And, 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 uh, but my, my point is, is that just because a congregation comes to an end doesn't mean revival comes to an end. Uh, just because uh, a, a move of God in a generation ends doesn't mean that that's over. Uh, generation goes from generation to generation. Uh, but the glory of God just keeps flowing uh, from generation to generation. While we were renovating that building for a few weeks before we had church, I was sitting in there one day by myself, and I sat down in a pew, and I had a talk with God. And I said, God, what makes a church die? And I felt God gave me a, a real understanding that changed my whole perspective. The Lord spoke to me. He said, churches are like people, son. They're born they grow, they have a season of strength, and then they have a season of weakness, and eventually they die. But I judge a man by the totality of his life, not just the end of his life. You remembered your grandfather. I had just preached his funeral a few weeks before that. He was in his 80s. He said, you remember your grandfather when he was younger and stronger? And I said, yes, Lord, I, I do. He said, that's how I remember him, too. He said, I judge a life by its totality, and I judge a church by its totality. I don't judge a church. This is literally what God spoke to me. He said, I don't judge a church by its attendance at any given time. I judge a church by how many lives it's touched through the years of its existence. You see, in the typical course of a church lifespan, here's the real reality. Churches typically have five stages of life. They have the birth stage, and, and there's no specific number to any of this. Each, each of these stages can last for a season, but, but there's the birth. That's the planning stage. And by the way, if you want to know something really interesting, do you know that, that uh, for every ten churches that are started with just a pioneer pastor that goes out to start a church, do you know that ten years later, nine of them are closed? Only one in ten make it. 
10 years. Interestingly, if a daughter church has started uh, uh, 10 years later, 9 out of 10 daughter churches are still functioning. So that tells you something right there. But I remember 10 years that I was in Norfolk uh, when we finally bought the, the next building that we were going to. And the Lord spoke to me and said uh, that now this church is established. Uh, it, it, it was literally three and a half years to the previous pastor, 10 more for me before we finally even got to the stage where we were, we were not just a toddler anymore. We were, we were standing strong, maybe you liking it unto a teenager, you know, all dressed up but not sure where to go. then there's the vitality stage. That's the growing years. That's the building years. That's the building programs and, the, and, and on and on. And, and then there's the equilibrium stage, they call it. That's where the church stabilizes and it, and it finds its balance and it finds its stride. And that can last decades depending on the strength of the church. Uh, it's a strong, steady season, people coming and going. Uh, but the church is constantly uh, re rejuvenating. But then it comes into a, a, a declining stage where it can no longer sustain its losses. And so every church, there's constantly people coming and going. But, but when, when losses can no longer be sustained, it begins to decline in people and finances and comes down to sometimes ministering to only one generation left. Uh, building maintenance is falling apart and, and money is not being spent like it needs to because uh, we're, 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 it's too precious. And then finally, at some point along the path is the death stage. That's when administratively we take the action, we distribute the assets, bring it to an end in the history of that church. Just like every one of our lives, at some day, we'll have a headstone that has a birth date and an end date. So do churches. Everything on earth dies. Plants die. Animals die. People die had two sad things that we're, we deal with this week with two of our saints that have died. Even the earth itself is going to die. It's on a timer. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will not pass away. Everything that God has created has a cycle to it except Him. And a church congregation is measured over its allotted time. And I don't know how, what the allotted time of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle is. I don't know what the allotted time of Norfolk Apostolic Church is. I pray that we can get to the stage that you are. But I know this. God watches the church through the years to see how many lives did it impact. How many lives did it change. How many people got the Holy Ghost. How many people were touched, healed, and delivered. When I, when I think of 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says there's other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, uh, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Everybody say every man. Every church is tried. This is not unique to anyone. And if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. But what the Lord is looking for when he judges lives, when he judges works, when he judges churches, he's looking for what sort it is. And he's going to test it. Is it going to be hay, wood, or stubble, or is it going to be gold? Is it going to be something that can survive the storm? You see, the truth is we lose too many churches by, by storms and by fires. Many years ago, well, many, many years ago, but about eight years ago, on my 25th pastoral anniversary, it just so happened that it was Labor Day weekend, and my anniversary was going to be that, that next Sunday, and I... I, I was I was literally, it was that morning, it was a holiday, I hadn't even gotten out of bed yet. I'm laying in the bed and I was grumpy. I know some of you are hard to believe could believe that. But I was depressed because I was going through this thing, God, I've been here twenty-five years and you know, I'm, you know, I'm complaining and whining about all that should be more and what I haven't done, and I, you know what we do. 
And as I'm laying in bed moaning, phone rings. I pick it up and look at it, and it's Steve Grimsley, who happens to be a prophetic voice in my life, a prophet that God uses very, very often in our church. And I thought, well, he ain't calling me just to say hello on an early holiday morning. I timidly answer the phone. Yeah, Brother Grimsley. And he doesn't even wait. He just launches into a prophesy. He said, young man, you've wondered in your mind about the work that you have done for God. You feel that it's not been noted and it's not been received. He said, I am calling you today because the Holy Ghost spoke to me to tell you on this Labor Day, well, the day that you celebrate the labor of men, God is telling you that He has taken your 25 years and He is vesting it today into the kingdom. He has seen your labor. You will never, you know what vested means? It means protected by contract. There were far greater trials and things that were going to come since then. And back in 2015, late 2015, throughout the year 2016, it was probably, I look back and realize, probably the most difficult and grievous year of my ministry. We had a very difficult situation that happened. It, it was the enemy. And Brother Strange, it was, it was Bishop Strange that called me. One day, about three, four, three, four months after this event, he said, I'm calling you to ask how things are going. So I'm kind of telling him, I'm, I'm dealing with all kinds of, I mean, there was so much damage that was done, a leader that went bad. And, and I mean, it just really, it made a mess. I'd had so many sessions and counseling sessions and teaching. I, I said, I'm doing everything I can to, 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 to heal people and to get them through this. And, uh, and, and Bishop Strange asked me, he said, how many people have you lost? I counted up. I said, well, probably about ten. Brother Strange, you may not even remember this conversation, but Brother Strange said to me, he said, ten? I said, wait a minute. You're telling me, because he knew the story. After four months, you've only lost ten people out of all this? I said, yeah. I said, I mean, we're, we're wounded, Brother Strange. We're hurting. He said, but you, you, you've only lost ten. He said, son, I've seen, I, 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 I'm quoting you, Brother Strange, because I wrote it down. He said, I've seen churches destroyed over much less than this. That church on Azalea Garden Road is stronger than you realize. Don't think. I don't think you realize, son, what a miracle God has given you. That storm did not come to damage the church. That storm was sent to destroy Norfolk Apostolic. And you're telling me four months later that you only took that little bit of a loss. Uh, he, he said, I'm here to tell you God has done a miracle for you. That church is stronger than you realize that it was. Uh, I want to remind everybody, the truth is, uh, every work is tried by fire. Uh, Norfolk Apostolic Church has been tried by fire. Uh, this church has been in existence for 70 years. Uh, Apostolic Lighthouse has also uh, been tried over and over for 70 years. Uh, you've been through the storm and you've been through the flood. Uh, you've been through the fire. You've been through uh, false doctrines and all other kinds of things that try to rise up. Uh, but for 70 years, after 70 years, this church uh, is still standing for truth, uh, still proclaiming Acts 2.38, uh, still believing in righteous living. Uh, you've been through the storms and deceptions and all that it is. So, Brother Strange, I'm here to tell you it's my turn now to tell you uh, this church on Lincoln Way, uh, it's a lot stronger than you think it is. <laughs> and it's taken me 40 years to be able to say it. 
because it's built on a rock. It's got a firm foundation. The sad reality, American churches are struggling all over this nation of all faiths. Pastors are facing depression and ongoing struggles like never before. 50% of pastoral ministers do not last more than five years. Uh, I, I'm sorry, go beyond that. That's the normal pastors. They don't even remain in the ministry sometimes more than 15 years. Up to 75 to 80% of ministers that begin in the ministry leave the ministry within 15 years due to various pressures and reasons. Here's a sad reality right now in America. 4,000 churches are being started every year as church plants. That sounds awesome until you realize that 7,000 a year are being closed. America needs revival. And God has given special anointing to three men over 70 years to pastor this church. Uh, it goes against all the odds. It goes against all the numbers. It goes against all the normal charts of what normal is. And norm but I'm here to tell you, this isn't a normal church. Uh, this is a church that has an anointing on it. Uh, and some of you, maybe they've been feeling like, well, you know, maybe our best days are behind us. Uh, I'm here to tell you, the Holy Ghost has told me uh, that, that where we're at is you've come to your 70 years, uh, but by reason of strength, uh, there's been a latted time that's been added on. I don't know what that is. Uh, but it's not a time of weakness. God isn't extending weakness. Uh, he's extending strength. Uh, and the reason is because His coming is coming soon. Uh, we don't have time to go redo everything. Uh, he wants to move upon the church that's in existence now. Uh, and I'm telling you that this is not a time to tear down. Uh, this is not a time to fold up or slow down. This is a time uh, to move forward and build up. Uh, I speak it in the name of Jesus. You need to understand and realize how special this church is because this couldn't have happened without God's help. You're sitting in a miracle. And let me tell you something. After 70 years, you have many, many, many saints in the grave. And this week will add to you. But let me tell you what that really means. Even though it's sad to us, but the spiritual truth of the matter is that's the part of this church that is vested. It's guaranteed by contract. When God judges Lighthouse Tabernacle, I will tell you one of the great things, the way he judges any church uh, is just like when you build a skyscraper. Uh, the greatest parts of the skyscraper are not seen. Uh, it is the pillars that go down into the ground. Uh, if it wasn't for what was under the ground not being seen, uh, what was above ground wouldn't even be able to stand. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that the, you have a church uh, that's in the grave uh, from 70 years of, 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 of preaching here. Uh, and hear me, uh, it's what's in the ground that's a true measure of a church because none of us are really saved until we get to the grave only the rapture will be able to tell the true story of Lighthouse Tabernacle only God himself can sort it all out keep it all on track there ain't one of us that have the ability to keep all those records like that the fact is that God still anoints and is still here. And his anointing is proof that he has extended the life. I leave you one more scripture. Ecclesiastes 3. To everything there is a season. A time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born. And yes, there is a time to die. There is a time to plant. But yes, there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. There's a time to kill there's also a time to heal. Now hear me, there is a time to break down. But there is also a time to build up. It is with sincerity that I am in this Holy Ghost presence right now. In this pulpit that I've preached from for so many times through the years. I speak, I feel by permission, not necessarily of command, but I feel that God has put this in my spirit. And on this 70th anniversary, the, the word that I simply want to deliver is that you have come through the many stages of a long life cycle and you've hit a historic milestone. Others have 
vanquished long before you. And very few have come to this age and stayed where you are with the strength that you have. And you have been judged by God to have reason of strength. Therefore, the life of this congregation has been expanded by God, by choice of God. And now is not the time to break down. But when I was reading that, and it said a time to build up, I felt the Holy Ghost move on me so strongly. After 70 years, you've experienced all the stages. It's time to build up. It's not going to happen because of you. You have to understand what's going to happen is going to be a God thing. The same God that kept this place together for 70 years is the same God that's going to move it forward. And you have supported missions for 70 years. And by the way, I send greetings to my, my superintendent that I work with, Bishop Cunningham in Virginia. And you, this church has been supporting Thailand missions for him. That goes way back to the years of Billy Cole. And Brother Cunningham sent me a text, Brother Strange, to tell you in the church. Uh, he said he got to thinking back, and he has estimated that this church has given at over 100, maybe $110,000 to the Thailand work over the years. And he said, he literally wrote me, he said, please extend to the church to, to let them know our deep appreciation of the work in Thailand would never be able to survive without churches like this. And so I thank you for that. And I know there are many others besides Thailand that you have done. So I continue with verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain, refrain from embracing. That was COVID, by the way, but it's. I think we got through that. There's a time to get and there's a time to lose. There's a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rent and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Uh, here's my point. In 70 years, you've experienced them all. Yet another season is upon you. There's still work to be done. And we're going to build on the experience. We're going to build on the strong pillars that are already in the ground. And so don't take your age and stage as a congregation as any kind of detriment or negative. The world looks, you know, we live in American culture. And one of our faults in American culture is we don't honor age like we should. American culture worships youth. But the Bible does the opposite. The Bible exalts old age. Because spiritually, God knows the difference. You can't help but realize when you think of worshiping youth, the Bible talks about to, 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 to husbands. It gives a bunch of instruction. It gives instruction to wives. It gives instruction to parents and grandparents. And I, I tried to find instruction to children. I only found one thing. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. It's the only instruction it gives to children. Because the Bible doesn't celebrate youth. The Bible celebrates old age. Don't let our culture make you think that you've come to some sort of season that, that your better days are over. When you serve a God that is ageless... There's no telling what God can do. Many times that I've come here through the years, you've asked me to sing. And one song you've asked me to sing numbers of times, people, that is the anchor holds. And I'm going to end by singing it. Because I can't think of any other time that it makes any more sense than this morning. Through the long and dark night Out on the open sea 
by faith alone, sight alone, and yet his eyes were watching me. Some would slip right through Like there were only Grains of sand But I know the anchor holds Though the ship gets battered I know the sails get torn across this house, uh, stand together across this place, uh, 
lift up your voice and give God glory and honor for 70 magnificent years. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Rejoice in the Holy Ghost for a minute. Thank God for every soul that's been filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank God for everybody that's been baptized in that tank. Thank God for every miracle, every healing, every encouragement, every life that's been touched and changed. And thank God for the church that's already in the grave. Because one day very soon there's coming a trumpet. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together to meet him in the clouds. That's the heritage and the legacy of the church. Kmart can't do it. Target can't do it. Coca-Cola can't do it. U.S. government can't do it. There's only one thing in the earth that is eternal. And it is the church of Jesus Christ. That has been born again of water and spirit. And in a moment, I'm going to ask this whole congregation to join me around this altar. But here's what I want you to know. Maybe here this morning you've been a part of the history of this church and the legacy of it. And maybe you've phased in and out. I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, it's time to phase in. There's something new happening. It's a Holy Ghost thing. If you're here this morning, you've never had the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you the same God that's been filling people for 70 years is here today and he's not in retirement mood. He's not in retirement mode at all. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we have a team here that will minister to you and we'll wash away your sin. If you have a need in your body, you need a healing in your body, well, we serve a miracle working God, you know. God is, how many of you can lift your hand and say you've seen God perform miracles? And turn, turn around, look at that. Look at, look, look at all those hands up. What I'm saying is, whatever you need today, God is not in a retirement mood. And I feel in the Holy Ghost, I want to shake the church out of retirement mood. Because you've been appointed a new day of strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you step out from your seat and come join me around this altar? As they're coming, the singers are coming.